Life by Divine with Sue DeMay fosters deep healing and profound awakenings as she guides you to hear, answer, and trust the highest calling of your heart. Your host and sacred guide is Global Impact Visionary Leader Sue DeMay, a best-selling author, international speaker, and gifted intuitive healer who challenges all of us to shift from life by default or even life by design to truly living life by divine. And now, here is Sue DeMay. Welcome to the show. It's an honor to be here once again with you. I'm so grateful that you are joining me, whether you're listening live every Tuesday at 9 Pacific or whether you're tuning into the podcast replay. I'm really grateful to be able to have this platform on Contact Talk Radio to be able to share my heart and the insights and guidance that are come, coming through me. I have so much information that downloads on a constant daily basis, basically. And I love that I have this beautiful platform to be able to share it with anybody who feels inspired to listen. So of course, you know, this is a, a space where anybody can come and receive and download and keep these episodes to use them when you need them. And that's what I'm going to really encourage you to do is take these messages and bring them into your heart, but then bring them into your life as well. Like integrate what I teach you and and what resonates, take that all with you and put it into your classroom and use it. These tools that I use personally, but also what I teach are a lot of tools I've been using for a long time. One just came in this morning, reminded me this morning, the five-step process, which I'm going to share today at the end after I talk about fear of judgment. The five-step process is something that came in, oh gosh, probably about 10 years ago. And these, I find that some of the tools for me kind of circle back around and I teach them again, or I, I integrate them again, or I'm reminded of them when I needed them. And then some of them just completely fall away. The beautiful thing with the work I'm doing on a constant daily basis, moment to moment basis is my intention is always to use every moment as an opportunity to heal and awaken, to raise my level of consciousness over and over and over again, to clear anything that's actually blocking me in my humanness and stopping me from embracing my divinity. So I'm clearing the path, always clearing the path. So if I have a trigger, I'm processing it. If I'm impacted or reacting to something that's happening in my life, I'm using it. And I'm going to invite you to do the same as much as you can when you remember. And if you forget, then you forgive yourself. And when you remember, you make a choice again to use this opportunity in every moment to shift consciousness, to raise your awareness, to get out of your head and into your heart, to let the divine lead you, to to live life by divine. It's really what we're all being called to do right now. So today, the message that came in is you can only feel judged if you fear judgment. So we're going to talk about fear. We're going to talk about judgment. We're going to talk about how to overcome fear and how to navigate those reactive kind of fear-based programming that we have. And also just talk about what you can do moving forward, like a different choice. The, the thing with judgment is for a lot of people, it's actually quite paralyzing. And for me, it was for a long time as well. So I want to empower you today, as always, to really be able to face those challenges in your life with more strength, more courage, 
maybe even some bold bravery, because that's definitely what it takes these days to stand in your, in your power and hold your light, especially when everything seems to be kind of crumbling down around us or the messiness is really coming up to the surface. The darkness is really being revealed. So there's a lot getting uncovered and it's not an easy time, but we're, we were, we've trained for this our whole life and lifetimes. So we're ready for it. And the world is ready for it, this next great awakening. However, there's a lot of people resisting it. And those that are resisting it are, are really wreaking havoc in certain situations. And that's, that's what I'm here today to help you navigate those challenging situations or just to navigate fear in your life. When we look at fear, there's fear of judgment, but I want to talk about fear first. When we look at fear, I know a lot of people understand that the, the saying that fear is false evidence appearing real. That's one version. I like to use the one, I don't know where it came from, but I've seen it a few times in different, different places, is face everything and rise. For me, fear is about facing everything and rising above it. And not facing everything and rising above it in an egotistical way or superior way, but really rising above that, that density or rising above that darkness or rising above that thing or that block within you or that trauma from the past that's holding you back. So it's about rising up. And I, I did an episode recently called Rise Up. It's time to rise up. And it's really about standing up inside yourself unapologetically. Again, not in a ego way, not in a superior way. The spiritual ego loves to kind of take that and run with it. So we have to really be humble in that. There's a humbleness and a humility to it. At the same time, there's a real power and certainty that we can stand in. And it's that unapologetic, unwavering confidence that will allow us to face whatever we're facing in our lives with more of that divine courage and bravery that we all have deep down inside of us. Now, how far away we are from that courage and that, that bravery will de be determined based on our past experiences, our, our upbringing, our programming in our mind. The ego loves to use the ego game of opposites. We've talked about that in many episodes. And the ego game of opposites is basically a virus that's running in the back of your mind, like a computer virus, and you don't know it's there. So it's actually impacting your ability to process life and, and it actually negatively impacts you in the way of if there's something that you desire, but you have a subconscious belief or an ego game of opposites dictionary definition that's not in alignment with that desire, your subconscious mind will override your desire. So that leads to self-sabotage. That leads to these repeating patterns of feeling stuck running on a hamster wheel. So the ego game of opposites is a way that we can actually tap into the subconscious mind, expose that hidden virus, that hidden programming, those hidden dictionary definitions that the ego is embedded there like a little hacker, like a virus in, running in the background, kind of stealing your potential and stealing your power, draining you when we can expose that and quarantine it and delete it, then you could actually free your mind and heal your mind in ways that 
I haven't never witnessed such a powerful tool out of all the tools in all the more than 25 years I've been doing this work and on my spiritual journey, I have never found a more effective tool than the ego game of opposites to unravel the mind as quickly as it can and as deeply as it does. So I'm going to invite you to, to check it out. If you don't know what the ego game of opposites is, you can look back at some of the radio show episodes. I talk about it, or you could go to my website and on the homepage, there is the heart. Yes. Check-in uh, the heart. Yes. Gift set. And that heart. Yes. Gift set is free. You just join and become a free open level member and you'll get access to the Heart Yes check-in tool. You'll get access to the Love Deeply Now meditation. You will receive 48 hours access, free access to the Eagle Game of Opposites masterclass and all the tools you need to unwind your mind there. And then I also have the blessing, blessing that I send out, which is a combination of a blessing and a lesson. So I call it a blessing. And that's emailed out uh, a couple times, two to, two to four times a month as well. So that's all, that's kind of my gift if you feel like you want to connect, if you're feeling it in your heart to connect with me. And if you want to try the Eagle Gimbal Opposites, I, I'm just, I did one actually this morning, I played a game. I haven't played one in a while because for the while when I first got introduced as a download for that game, when it first came in for me, I was playing the game so much. I was playing like um, 10 times a day at least, sometimes even more. Now it comes in every once in a while because I've done a lot of unwinding at the subconscious level of the mind. So there's not a lot of triggers or leftovers around that, but I'm still playing, still using that tool. It's very powerful. So today, you can only feel judged if you fear judgment. So what if you could actually face judgment and rise, rise above it? What if you didn't actually fear, hide, hover, tuck under the blanket, tuck behind the corner, avoid? What if you could actually face that fear head on and overcome it? What if you got to a point where it didn't matter what other people thought about you? What if you could free yourself from the fear of judgment? What would that feel like? Now, for some of you, can, you can imagine it. For others, it's like, I don't even know, like, who am I without that fear? And that was me for the longest time. I had such a fear of judgment, such an ingrained programming to worry about what other people thought about me. And I worried more about what other people thought or believed about me than I cared about what I believed about myself. I cared more about what others thought. Now, the challenge is that's, that's a form of projection. So the ego likes to use judgment and projection to keep things out of our reach so that we can't heal them. So it's kind of like a hiding spot. We, the ego uses projection to kind of throw something out onto somebody else or onto a situation or onto something that feels out of our control and away from us so that we can't actually heal it. So that's one of the, the, the tactics one of the mind games the ego uses to keep us from actually being able to heal the mind because it's out there. So it uses projection. And projection in the way of fear of judgment is something that keeps us from even looking at our own judgments of self. 
Because the truth is, people are going to judge. Bottom line, no matter what you do, people are going to judge one way or another. And not every single person is going to judge you, but people are going to judge because we're programmed to judge. We're born natural observers. We're programmed to judge. So in every moment, when you look around, you can even look around the room you're in right now or the space you're in right now, every time your eyes land on something or you see someone, the mind is programmed to go to judgment. We've been taught that behavior. That's not natural to us. If you look at a baby or an infant and watch them observe the world, they're in a deep place of observation, curiosity, and wonderment. And when we foster that in our own mind today as an adult, curiosity, wonderment, we can actually keep our mind open to another perspective. We can shift out of judgment and into observation. So curiosity and wonderment allows us to go back into that observing perspective, that lens of observation. The ego and fear places the lens of judgment in front of our eyes. And it's a default setting. And you're probably judging even when you don't realize you're judging. I remember when I was, it was quite a long time ago, just after I had, probably about two or three years after I recovered from anorexia, it was probably around 1995 or 1996, I took training because I wanted to become a support group facilitator for others that had disordered eating. And in the training we took to be a support group leader, we started to look at our own judgments and they would pick, you know, throw a picture up on the wall or show us a picture. And we'd had to think that we had to reflect on what's the first thoughts that came into your mind. And some of them actually really surprised me. Some of my default thoughts, the quick thoughts, the thoughts that come right away really surprised me because I saw myself as a non-judgmental person. But I realized in that moment through that training that I was actually quite judgmental and not just toward myself. I knew I was always judging myself. That was my biggest challenge in life is overcoming my own self-judgments. But I was actually quite judgmental of others as well. In certain circumstances, I was very compassionate, very loving, had a lot of empathy for a lot of people. But in certain circumstances, my default setting was judgment. So I want to invite you this week to be aware of your thoughts when you're looking at something or someone, when you're even reflecting on what you're doing or not doing, what are your judgments towards self and what are your judgments towards other people? So if someone walks by and they have a really vibrant, colorful, creative outfit on, what's the first thought that comes into your mind? Do you have a thought that, wow, they must be crazy to wear that and who do they think they are and look at them trying to get attention? What are, what are your thoughts? Or are you more in that place of curiosity and wonderment? Like, wow, what a colorful outfit. They're so brave to be 
walking and expressing themselves in that way. But even in that observation, there's a little bit of embedded judgment because what I'm saying is they're brave because they're colorful and maybe I'm not because I'm not brave enough to wear something like that. Do you see? It's very clever. It can be really hidden or it can be really obvious. Remember, I'm down here in Turks and Caicos again, dealing with some, some of the situation I've been kind of sharing, but not really sharing. I've been alluding to, but I can't really share a lot because it's really, there's a whole legal stuff going on and I just, I, there's only so much I could share with you, but it's still very challenging, but I feel stronger and I feel more courageous than ever before. And I feel really like a bold bravery rising up in, inside of me. I still have those moments where I waver, but that wasn't the story I was going to tell. In Turks and Caicos, there was one time I was on the beach with somebody and there was a woman who was sunbathing and she had her top off. And I said to the person I was with, I'm like, wow, I don't know how she can, like, how does she do that? Like, because I was always very self-conscious about my body, especially with anorexia and bulimia. I, I always felt like I wasn't good enough and wasn't skinny enough and all, you know, just had so much self-esteem image, image issues. So I would wear baggy clothes. I would cover myself up a lot. I wouldn't wear a bikini or a bathing suit. I really felt uncomfortable. And to the idea of actually being topless was just like so not even on my radar. So when I first actually met my husband, I was like, I wanted the lights off anytime I was, you know, without my clothes. And he was like, why? And I'm like, just let me turn the lights off. So it just was my comfort, right? So that I've kind of overcome that fear. However, recently when the, I saw the woman, I was, my first judging thought was, how can she possibly do that? Like, how, how can she be so brave to do that? Like, I could never do that. And what I was doing wasn't judging her. I was judging myself for not being able to do that. And then someone said to me shortly after, because I was telling that story, and they said, well, would you really want to go walk topless on the beach and sunbathe topless? I'm like, actually, no, I have no interest in that. Well, then she said, well, instead of telling the story, like, I don't understand how she could do that, just say, I'm not actually interested in that. And instantly, my whole mind shifted around it, and I felt this freedom. And it was a freedom for me and for her. It was this freedom for, for her to, to, to be topless or not be topless. And it was a freedom for me to just let others be, but not, I don't have to go along for the ride. And me not being able to do that didn't mean that I wasn't brave or courageous. It just means it wasn't for me. So it was very empowering. It's just a small little shift in the mind, but it's that fear that I was able to, to shift, but also the connection to the judgment. So judgment is a really good tool if we use it to actually point to what's within us that needs to heal. What beliefs or what thoughts, what programming do we still have left that we need to clear and shift? How do we need to change our minds in order to free our minds? Judgment is a finger pointing to that. So when we have a judgment toward another person or an observation that it then is kind of like a projected judgment back toward ourself, if we can look at that, be curious about it, kind of unravel it a little bit, then you'll be able to actually heal your mind and free your mind from that fear. So we use fear as a tool 
to point us in the direction. We use judgment as a finger pointing to our leftovers. So when life bumps up against these leftovers, we have these triggers or we have these reactions or we have these thoughts and you become aware of those thoughts, then change has already begun. Awareness is the first key. So today as I'm sharing, I'm gonna give you as much kind of insights and understanding as possible so that you can create awareness to how fear and judgment is actually impacting you and holding you back. There was a quote, one of my favorite quotes around fear. I've said it in a couple different ways and kind of alluded to it in different topics or different times I was speaking on stage, but Franklin Roosevelt said once that courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is more important than fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is, courage is not the absence of fear. It's the ability to take an inspired action in spite of the fear. That's true courage. So we don't need to live fearless to overcome fear, to be courageous, to be brave. But we do need to know how to understand our fear and how to navigate our fear so that it doesn't become paralyzing, so that it doesn't stop us in our tracks or keep us running on a hamster wheel. So fear becomes a tool that we can use to shine light on what needs to heal. I often say that, you know, feel the fear and do it anyways. I often use that quote too. I feel the fear and I do it anyways. And a lot of people wait until fear is gone before they take action. And you can do that. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. There's certain things that the only way to overcome the fear is actually to do it. So like standing on stage, for instance, the first time I stood on stage and did a speech, it's grade five, I was terrified, like terrified. Um, my nickname was, was Squeak. I was shy, like painfully shy. So I know it's hard to believe now because I love speaking on stage. I love like big audiences. I love, I love, like I'm at home on the stage now, but I didn't get there overnight. In grade six, I did a speech again. In grade seven, I did a speech again. In grade eight, I did a speech again. I started to actually find a way to, to navigate the fear and face the fear. And it wasn't until years later that I actually got the guidance that uh, like this beautiful download that came in. It's like someone asked me, what's your greatest dream, your grandest desire? And the words immediately came in as like to speak to the world. And I was like, what? And they were like, what? I'm like, where did that come from? Clarity came straight from the divine. It's on my path. I knew it at that time. I knew it in grade five, the first time I stood on stage and I was still terrified. But I was willing to move, that, move through that fear. It was my willingness to feel the fear and do it anyways. It was my willingness to gather the courage to take, take that step. And I work with a lot of light leaders and light workers. And a lot of times they're like, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling fear. I'm going to, you know, process it and then I'll do that. And I'm like, I think you need to do that in order to process the fear. 
I think you need to take that step in order to really bump up against it fully and bring that layer as close to the surface as possible so you can process it and, and heal it once and for all. Otherwise, you're just visiting it, kind of looking at it going, oh, yeah, look, I see you over there. Okay, I'll be over here. Let me know when you're gone. It's like an unwanted visitor. It's going to stay. It's overstaying its welcome. And unless you actually face it, and have that sweaty palm conversation or have that sweaty palm situation where you have to face it. Sometimes it doesn't go anywhere. Sometimes it actually takes the inspired action to process it and clear it. And that's what I have found with speaking. Even looking back at the first time I did the radio show, so now we're, we're close to 70 episodes I think now, in my very first episode, I was nervous, but I was also doing video and Facebook Live. So I put it like all these other components into it that made it even more challenging for me in the beginning. But now I'm like, I feel really good. I feel really solid. There's certainly weeks that I have more challenges than others, but for the most part, I actually feel quite good about it. But I couldn't overcome that first layer of fear without just doing it. Fritz Perls is, I, I love this quote too, I use it a lot, is fear is excitement without the breath. Fear is excitement without the breath. So the moment we feel fear, you can tune into your breath and I bet you anything it'll be shallow or you'll be holding your breath. And the beautiful thing is the energy of fear and the energy of excitement is the same, but your breath is making it dense and your thoughts are making it dense and your beliefs are making it dense so if you shift into your breath you bring your awareness there and you breathe and soften and process any thoughts that are there and you talk yourself into the idea that fear is the same as excitement or anticipation and you could actually breathe that energy into more of an expanded excitement, you'll feel a shift. And sometimes it'll be easier than others. But I would do that a lot when I was going on stage. A lot of people talk about, oh, I have all these butterflies before I go on stage. And if they actually process the butterflies, like actually allow everything to be there and they soften and they breathe through it, it becomes anticipation and excitement. But if they're feeling butterflies and they contract around it and, and their thoughts are more around worry and anxiety, then they contract and it becomes heavier, more fear-based experience. So we can actually shift that emotion from fear into excitement or anticipation just by using our breath and using our thoughts and our awareness and intention to shift it. So that's a, a simple tool you can use. Your breath you always have with you. It's always there. It's reliable. Use it. Remember to use it. So when it comes to facing life's challenges, when it comes to facing the fear of judgment of others, how do we process that? That is the question today I want to answer. We're going to take a, a short break in a moment here, but what I want you to reflect on before I do is what judgments are you really afraid of? Are you afraid of judgments from family, 
your parents, your friends, people that are close to you? How does that fear compare to people that don't know you? Are you less afraid of judgment from others? Someone walking down the street that doesn't know you, are you less afraid of them judging you or more afraid? Just creating some awareness. Are you afraid of your own judgments towards self? Are you your own worst critic? Are you your own enemy? Do you say things to yourself that you would never say to anybody else? Are you demeaning and cruel, critical towards self? Do you judge others? What are your judgments like? Let me take a moment as we go to break, and I want you to think about your fear of judgments and your own judgments towards self and toward others. And then we're going to take judgment, kind of unravel it a little bit, look at the fear a little bit more, and I'm going to give you some tools that can help you shift out of your fear of judgment so that you can free your mind and start to really stand in your power to hold your light and to live the life you're meant to live unapologetically and not again in an egotistical way but just in an unshakable confident clear way we'll be right back let me take a short break the heart-led living intuition academy with sue Demay is a unique unschooling experience designed to unwind clear and align your intuitive channel and the doors are open for you now. Experience unwavering faith and deep trust in your intuition as you strengthen your connection to source, allowing you to walk through every moment with more peace, confidence, clarity, and certainty. Experience this deep personal transformation with Sue's guidance, including the option to share what you learn as a certified intuitive coach. This is your time to unwind and reprogram your mind to rebuild your foundation and realign with your intuitive heart. Enrollment is now open. Apply today at heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Again, that's heartledliving.com forward slash intuition academy. Welcome back. You're listening to Life by Divine and I am your host, Sue Dumay. Today I've been talking about you can only fear, you can only feel judged if you fear judgment. So if you are not afraid of judgment, then you won't feel judged. It will be, people will still judge you, but it'd be more like water off a duck's back. And it won't have the impact and you won't have the reaction and it won't have the emotional charge. It won't feel like an arrow piercing you. So the question is then how do we actually overcome the fear of judgment? How do we move through that fear and process it in a way that we don't care so much about what other people think about us? Because if we cared what everyone thought about us, we'd actually, we wouldn't get anything done. We wouldn't do anything. Because the truth is, if you want to live your life and make sure no one ever judge you, you might as well go live in a cave, but even then someone will judge you. 
So judgment is so ingrained and so programmed in our society and the human mind is so defaulted to judge that it doesn't matter what you do. If you do nothing, you'll be judged. If you do something, you'll be judged. And you do something and one person will be like honoring you and the next person will be judging you for the exact same thing. So we can't please everybody even. Even when we think we're doing the right thing, there's going to be someone who's going to judge us for doing the wrong thing. We're not doing the right thing good enough. So bottom line, no matter what you do or don't do, you will be judged. That's just human behavior. It's not human nature. It's not our nature. It's human learned programmed behavior. So then the question becomes, how do we allow other people to judge without taking it personally? That's a whole other piece. What if we didn't take things personally? What, did, what if we didn't care so much about what other people were thinking or not thinking about us? What if we could really just follow our heart and trust and not care so much about what other people think or don't think? So there's a, I recently I was watching Brene Brown on Netflix. She has a the little series on one, one episode on, on Netflix. And I think it's Daring Greatly. I can't remember what the title of it is, but you can search Netflix and Brene Brown and you'll see it. And I've heard this quote before. I've heard her speak and she did a TEDx talk with this quote as well. But the quote is Teddy Roosevelt in 19, from 1910. And I'm going to read the quote for you and then I'll talk about how it resonates for me and how I use it in, in my life right now with the situation that's going on down here in Turks and Caicos. So this is Teddy Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles for where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error or shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. I know that that quote had a very significant impact for Brené Brown in her work, and she was doing a lot of work on vulnerability at the time. And of course, there's going to be critics. There's going to be people that are going to critique her work and other people's work. And they're going to critique your words and my words. But really what it comes down to for her was unless you're in the arena and doing the work and facing the challenges and, and overcoming your fears, then I'm not interested in what you have to say. So that was her way of stepping back and going, okay, those people that are sitting on the sidelines and 
criticizing those who are actually in the arena, doing the work, facing their fear, standing up, standing out, standing strong, speaking their truth, having a voice, creating impact. Those people that are on the sidelines watching and criticizing, what she's saying is, I'm not interested in what you have to say. I'm not interested in your feedback. In other words, I'm not interested in your judgments. That's a really powerful way to look at it because that allows you to really stand up inside yourself and say, I'm going to do this work. And there's going to be people that are going to be on the sidelines that are going to criticize what I'm doing. And there's going to be people, people on the sidelines that are going to criticize what I'm not doing, but I'm going to do it anyways, because their criticism doesn't matter. What matters is, are you guided? Are you saying yes to following your heart? Are you letting the divine lead your life? Are you coming from a place of love? And it could be fierce love sometimes. And if you answer yes to those questions, then it matters less what other people think. And it matters more about what you think and what you believe. So we can shift from this projection of fear of judgment from others. That's the ego kind of judging, projecting fear over there based on what other people think or, not, or don't think about us. And we bring that fear back in. And instead of being afraid of what they think or don't think, it's like, what am I really afraid of? I'm afraid to speak my truth. Well, let's process that fear because that's inside of you. And it really has nothing to do with them. It has to do with you and your history and your past and your trauma and your wounds. So when we can take that projection of fear and bring it back in and go, what am I really afraid of? Then you can actually get in underneath it. Then you can make some progress. Then you can overcome it. So, I don't want you to be resigned to accept that you're afraid of other people's judgments. I want to empower you to go, okay, well, if I wasn't so afraid, if I actually took that fear off of them or off of the world and brought it back into myself, because fear is your stuff. If you're feeling fear, it's your stuff. It's not other people's stuff. It's yours. So bring it back in and really get in touch with the feeling of the fear, the energy of it, the experience of it, the emotion of it. Sometimes we just need to feel that layer fully and then it clears. And other times we need more of a process. We need some unwinding to happen at the level of the mind or the subconscious mind through the ego game of opposites. Because the ego game of opposites is it exposes how the ego plays both ends against the middle. You're afraid to do something, but you're afraid not to do it. You're afraid to follow your heart because you're afraid where it's going to lead you. So you get in this like damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario. And you're swinging on both ends of the pendulum and it's playing opposite and playing both ends against the middle. Whereas when you can actually identify the energy of fear 
and process it and expose what it's actually rooted in. Whether it's a thought or belief or a trauma or something else, then you can actually free yourself. Or at least find a way to move through it with some grace and courage and bravery. It requires bold bravery for sure. So let me share one process that I used a long time ago. It's called the five-step process. And I've, I don't necessarily teach it specifically to fear, but that's what came in this morning. So be curious to see how it's going to integrate. I was just shown to talk about the five-step process and allow the message to come through in relationship to fear of judgment, in relationship to processing your fear. So the five-step process, I'll tell you what the five steps are first, and then I'll go back and break them down. And you can write them down if you want to, but I'm going to encourage you to listen first. And you can always listen back to the replay of this and write them down and take more notes if you want to. I believe I also have this as one of the processes on the uh, expansion level membership meditation room. But for now, so if you're a member, you can access it there and listen to it. So the five-step process, the first step is I ask. Step in second is I listen. I feel. I follow, I move. I ask, I listen, I feel, I follow, I move. Now, step one, I ask. And when I say I ask, I'm asking the divine, I'm asking my heart, I'm asking God, what would you have me do? What now? And sometimes that guidance comes in in different ways, but I need to ask first. So the asking is one, I'm aligning my human will, or my personal will, with my divine will, with spirit's will, God's will. I'm actually surrendering my human will and saying, okay, guide me, lead me. So it's creating a bridge between your humanness and your divinity. And I talked about that in one of the episodes, your human self, your divine self, your ego self. You can go back and listen to that episode if you want to dive more into that. But for now, I just need you to see that that creates a bridge when you ask and you're willing. It creates a bridge between your humanness and your divinity. So you're asking the divine to lead you, to guide you, to direct you. You need to ask. So the one thing I notice is a lot of people ask and then they don't listen. So step two is to listen. I ask, I listen. And in the listening, we're listening with the inner ear. We're listening with that, the heart from the heart space. We're listening for maybe some words, an image, a color, a feeling, a sensation, a memory. We're, we're listening for maybe even a song coming on the radio or a song coming into our head. I was working with a client yesterday and I, we were trying to clear something that was going on in her ankle and I kept hearing the words from the song, tie a yellow ribbon around the old oak tree. And I started chuckling. I'm like, okay, this is weird, but this is what I'm getting. And as soon as I said that, we had a visual come in for her ankle and it all shifted. So the listening is important because it can come in in many different ways. Your intuition speaks to you in many different ways. And for some people, it has more of a, a common channel, kind of comes, you either hear it more or you sense it more or you see a visual. There's different ways that we can actually receive intuition guidance, the divine guidance. So 
the key is to listen. And the more you become familiar with how you receive messages, the more you'll actually have the confidence. But you need to ask first, and then you need to listen. So there's a pause, quiet space for listening. Then this is what people often skip, is the stage of I feel. This step of the process is important because if you ask and you listen and then you feel into it, you will actually, this is where you're actually going to tap into, oh, there's some fear here around that. Or there's some excitement, but underneath that I can feel the niggling of fear. Or I'm terrified. Or I'm, you know, feeling vulnerable. I'm feeling not good enough. I don't deserve that. So when you stop and feel, it actually gives you some real insight to what's underneath and what's a potential roadblock or what's a potential key to self-sabotage. What, what is a point of weakness for the ego here? So if I'm asking, when, when I was talking about that time, I was asking, what's my greatest desire, my grandest dream greatest desire? And the words to speak to the world came in. Immediately, I heard them. I was listening. Then I got like really afraid because I knew what that meant. It meant me on big stage. So I felt the fear, but at the same time, I could feel an excitement and anticipation. So I put it aside. I kind of like, okay, well, let's see where that goes. But I didn't let the fear just go unnoticed. I made a note of it. I became aware of it. I noticed where I was holding it. And I'm tuned into it. So that's the feel. I feel. The next step is I follow. I've learned to follow my guidance, follow my heart, even when it doesn't make sense in my head. I follow it when it doesn't make sense to other people, but especially if it doesn't make sense to me. So I've come to actually develop deep trust and blind faith in my guidance. And your internal GPS will never lead you astray. It's not going to lead you to like an easy, graceful life. There's a lot of flow in heart-led living, but there's also a lot of challenge in heart-led living because what we're really asking for is to heal anything and everything that's left over within us, anything that's blocking us from love. And in that, we actually have to face some of our fears and we have to face some of those challenging situations or have those sweaty palm conversations. So it's not always easy, but we learn and understand that it's necessary and we become willing to walk with deep trust and blind faith. So I follow my heart no matter what. And the beautiful thing is my family knows that, my husband knows that. So there's times where I'm like, okay, I'm leaving for a month. And he's just like, okay, because he just knows that I need to like really follow the direction, even if it doesn't make sense. And at the same time I follow, I'm maybe I'm guided to go somewhere for a month, but at the same time, I'm open to a redirect at any time. I might be gone for two weeks and then come home. Maybe I'm redirected to come home. I get the lesson. I understand. I get what I needed to learn and then I, and then I redirect it. So I need to be open to continuing to listen, to continue to follow the guidance as it comes in. So I can't have the guidance come in and then make up my mind that I know what it's about. So I ask, I listen, I feel, I follow, and I move 
I move connects to connects you to inspired action. So that guidance that came in to speak to the world at the time I had my mind body studio in Vancouver, I was teaching yoga for fertility classes, doing mind body programs, working with couples, helping them conceive. But I was also doing a lot of work with postpartum women and body restructuring and foundational stuff for their, for their body and stability. I also was doing a lot of instructor training courses and certification programs and fertility yoga teacher training. There's a whole bunch of stuff I was doing. In that moment, I got that guidance. I realized that my work in that space was going to be limited. I wasn't going to be doing that for a long time. And I knew at that moment that if I didn't follow, if I didn't move in that direction, that I would be playing small. And I would be kind of hiding in my studio and hiding in the work I was doing. And it was powerful work and it was beautiful work at the time. But what I realized, I started to empower other people to do it. So I didn't need to be the one doing that anymore. I needed to actually step into a different arena. And I needed to do that with some courage and some bravery. And it was shortly after that that I was speaking on stage with, at a Dr. Northrop event. We had Dr. Northrop come to Vancouver and I spoke in front of 2,000 people. And then shortly after that, I was speaking in front of 10,000 people at a big convention in Salt Lake City. And being on stage there for me was about me owning my gift as an intuitive healer. It was about self-honesty and being honest with everyone saying, here I, here I am. I'm an intuitive healer. This is who I am. So it was like my coming out of the closet as a healer and really owning my gifts. So it was really powerful, but it all stemmed from that time that I asked, I listened, I felt into the fear. It was, I was aware of it and I started to process it moment to moment, situation by situation, and eventually found myself standing on stage in front of 10,000 people. And as much as it was, I was backstage kind of like grounding myself and breathing into that anticipation. I could feel that fear. I was breathing it into anticipation and excitement. The moment I stepped out and started speaking, my whole life changed. It was a pivotal moment for me. And that's when I was willing to follow and I was willing to take inspired action. Now, inspired action, sometimes there's a timing around that. So if I had to speak to the world, I got that guidance that night and then the next night I was like forcing myself to get up on stage or do something different, that, that, that would be my ego taking over and trying to force the movement. So it wasn't inspired action, meaning in spirit action, divine action. It was more ego pushing, forcing. So I move is really about another stage of going back to the beginning, asking, okay, if I'm to do something around this, show me the way. I'm willing to hear, I'm willing to listen. And then you feel into it when you get the guidance and then you follow the guidance and then you are open to the divine timing around it. That's the process, five-step process. I ask, I listen, I feel, I follow, I move. This requires courage. It requires courage to face your fear. But again, true courage is not the absence of fear. It's taking inspired action in spite of the fear, in spite of the presence of fear. 
being willing to process it in the moment and use it in your life classroom in that moment to actually move through it in a way that you can actually heal that layer. That takes courage. In fact, it takes bold bravery. But the beautiful thing is you have innate divine courage within you. You have divine bravery within you. We all do. And the more we take those courageous steps, the easier they become. The more we can let ourselves be uncomfortable and move through it, the more comfortable we will be in those moments of being uncomfortable. So I've taught myself to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I'm able to face fear a lot easier than I used to. And when I look at who I am today compared to who I was as a child, it's like oil and water. I feel like I'm not the same person at all. So the more you tap into this layer, this level of awareness and practice that divine consciousness, making those conscious choices, creating awareness, setting the intention, living with intention to heal, to overcome judgment, to overcome fear, you'll start to realize that the only person that matters when it comes to judgment is you. The only thing that can hold you back is your own judgments. Because if you don't have fear of other people's judgments, you won't feel afraid. You won't fear judgment. So my encouragement to you, my invitation for you is to use the five-step process, create awareness, take those inspired steps, face your fears, gather your courage, gather your strength, gather your bold bravery. It's all there. And if you need to borrow my belief in you, then borrow my belief. Borrow someone else's belief in you until yours kicks in. But I know you've got it in you. The world is calling for you, and you're more than ready. You've been training your whole life for this, for the role that you're meant to play, for the arena you're meant to step into. I guarantee you've been training your whole life for it, and you are ready. And the world is ready for you. So let's do this. And if I'm meant to be a mighty companion in some way, I would be honored to do that. Just reach out and let me know how I can support you. I love you. I appreciate you. I see you. I honor you. I believe in you. Until next week, love and blessings. You've been listening to Life by Divine with your host, Sue DeMay. Shift your consciousness from head to heart and enliven your soul as you discover how to lead with your heart and live your own life by divine. Join Sue in the growing global heart-led living community at heartledliving.com. That is heartledliving.com.